This is Bethel Online. Welcome home. This is the next best thing to being at Bethel on Sundays. We are driven by making disciples of Jesus who make disciples. When you're online, interact with us on Facebook and Instagram. When you're in Barhead, Alberta, drop in Sundays to Friday. Our goal on this podcast is to ask questions, challenge certainty, and grow a relationship with Jesus so you can go the distance and bring others with you. Thank you for tuning in. I want to tell you a story today. Uh, This happened a number of years ago. Uh, I drove from Manitoba, where I was pastoring, to Calgary to attend a church conference. Um, I'm not sure exactly what it was. I can't remember who the speaker was or why it was, but it was an investment in time and money, obviously, to make that drive to come to church. And um, I was by myself. Uh, I wanted to, um, I didn't want to appear to be too spiritual, so I didn't sit too close to the front. I was going to sit two or three rows, and I thought, well, that looks like I'm too enthusiastic. So I sat back six rows. I didn't want to sit too far to the back because I didn't want to miss, but I wanted to be close enough. So I was really excited about this. I was anticipating great service, and um, I was watching people as they came in, watching how they picked their seats out and just different things I was taking notice of. But then the service started. I remember the um, very first strike of the guitar, and the music started. And all of a sudden people started jumping up in their pews and running to the front of the church. And um, as the music continued, these people were dancing and jumping. And I remember one guy, and I, I can only, um, I, I term it this way, he was about my size. So he wasn't a real small little guy. He was a, a guy, and he, he wore a bright yellow sweater. He looked like a honeybee. Big, fluffy, yellow uh, uh, honeybee, and he was running across the front, back and forth, back and forth, and there were children, and I mean, I've been raised as a Pentecostal. I, I, I know what it is. I've, I've been to all kinds of services, seen all kinds of worship experiences, but I was uncomfortable. It was just odd, and rather than me worshiping God, I felt myself looking at the people as they were doing stuff. And I, I, I just, I'm, I'm confessing that I did not feel comfortable with it. I felt strange by it. And so that was, um, that was the evening service. Um, the next morning, when they had the service, I decided I'm not sitting so close to the front this time. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to kind of avoid this a little bit, and it just was a little too uncomfortable. So I sat in the balcony. I mean, I got about as far away from the front as I could, and I sat up in the balcony. And there, I could observe. I wasn't really worshiping but I was watching the people as they were doing their things, as they were doing their stuff. 
and I was observing it all as kind of like a spectator, not really entering in or participating that much. Um, I recognize that sometimes when people come to our church as a Pentecostal church, they're uncomfortable with the way we do things. Some of you are uncomfortable with the fact that I'm sitting down and not standing up. Preachers stand up. Well, today we're not doing that. Um, Sadly, many churches over the years have struggled with the whole concept of worship. Um, Some have become very free and very open in their worship, and there's there's, you know, a lot of expressions of worship. Some are very closed and tight and, like me, uh, intimidated, frightened, um, unsure of what was going on. And yet praise and worship is part of what we do. It is what we do. It's the main thing of what we do as Christians. This is called a worship service, Right? We even put that on our signs. We put it in our bowl. This is a worship service, and yet, sadly, over the years, in many churches, ours, not, not, not just ours itself, but there are struggles with, with how we worship. It's a style of worship that many times people get bothered by, and yet, it's what we do. The Bible says we're to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, body, and we're to give of our very best to God. It's the greatest command, and um, we're supposed to worship, and we're supposed to worship well. And so in your bulletins today, I've even put a a brochure in your bulletins about why we worship like we do here at Bethel, and believe me, we don't do everything that's in that brochure. These are biblical things, and and, um, so today we start a new sermon series called Seven Words to Change the Way You Worship. And uh, right off the top, let me just say from the very outset, it's probably a bad choice of terms. Worship is so much more than singing. It's so much more than praising God. Worship involves how we live. It's serving others, giving ourselves for others. It's reading scriptures. It's praying. There are so many things involved in worship that sadly we reduce it just to the singing part of the, of the service. And so maybe we should change the title of the sermon to um, seven words that will change the way we praise God, if that's okay with you. Because our focus over the next couple of weeks is our praise, singing our praise and how we, we worship God in the context of, of a group of people. Now, many of you know this already. I don't have to tell you this. If, if you've been brought up in church, you've heard this at some point in time, that in the New Testament, there are actually four Greek words that are all translated as one English word. It's in your notes. There are four words, Greek words, all translated love. They all say love in the translation that you probably use, the English translation. But there's actually four different words that convey different meanings. Philea, uh, brotherly love. It's actually the root word of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. It's treating people with respect and being kind to one another and, 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 and loving that people in that kind of generic kind of way. Storge is a, a deeper form of love. It's, 
it's a, a, a mutual affection, something between a husband and a wife, you know, and, and something that we can have with, with really deep, close friends. Eros, of course, is the root word of, of erotic, and it has to do with sexual type of love. Um, again, the, the relationship between a husband and wife. And then the last word is agape, and it's the one word used throughout the Bible to tell us about God's love. It's, it's a, a love that is um, not conditional. It's, it's, it's a love that just reaches out regardless of how you respond to it. God continues to love us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It's a giving love that's unconditional. It's the word that is used throughout the Bible that tells us that God cares for us so much. It says that while we were yet sinners, Christ loved us. It's not a love that's based on your response. And that's used throughout the New Testament only to refer to God's love. Many of you know that, and uh, we're not going to spend a lot of time on that. What many people are unaware of, many Christians, is that in the book of Psalms, there are seven words, seven Hebrew words, that are all translated praise. All translated praise. We read one today in Psalm 57. Um, It says, your faithfulness, uh, verse... uh, uh, nine says, I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. Um, that word is the first word that we're going to use today, which is a yada, yada. But there are seven words. I'm not going to pronounce them all today, but you can see them up there. All these seven words reflect a portion or a part of what praise is. But we all translate them just one way, praise, all praise. So as we've been reading the Psalms in church, we've been talking about praising God, but the original language talks about praising God in different ways. And so for the next three weeks, we're going to talk about praising God and looking at it from a point of view as what do the words actually mean? And um, then at the end of the service, we're going to give you some time to put into practice. We're going to close. My sermon's going to be short. We're going to give you time just to go back and praise God and allow God to allow us to put into practice what God teaches us. So the first word we're going to talk about is a yada. It's actually the same word used in what we read today, uh, Psalm 57. I will praise you, O God. And what it means is to revere or worship with extended hands, to hold out the hands. It's used 111 times in the scriptures, primarily in the Psalms. Psalm 145, verse 10. All your works praise you. All your works yada you. Lord, your faithful people extol you. Psalm 67, verse 3. May the people praise you with uplifted hands. God, may all the people praise you with uplifted hands. Psalm 44, verse 8. In God we make our boast all day long. We praise you with uplifted hands. We praise your name forever. Expressing enthusiasm by extending our hands is very common amongst all cultures. Um, I hope this is ready, but we have a video for you from China. We're not going to watch the whole thing, so I'll, I'll tell you when to cut it off, but we're going to start by watching. This is This is a video from an underground church in China where Christianity is not legal. So 
If you can watch this, uh, take and a few moments to watch it. And then there's China. Few places in the world are seeing the explosion of God's power like the underground church in China is experiencing. And in the last 60 years, China's communist government has done its best to wipe Christianity off the map. What you are about to see is some of the rarest footage on the planet. In this church, the people wake up at 4.30 to come together for two hours to pray and worship. They do this every day. This church meets in the only place they are safe, a cave. This church meets on a farm, far away from prying eyes. Here's an example of an underground church outreach. The people sitting are Christians. The people who are standing are not. This particular preacher was once crippled, but was healed when someone prayed for her. She now preaches the good news of Jesus to anyone who will listen. In this particular meeting, over 1,000 people became Christians. Here, Christians cast out demons from an 18-year-old girl. She's now a preacher. In Shanghai alone, there are over 3,000 house churches, just like this one. One thing Dennis pointed out to me was that most of the underground churches in China are actually led by young people. These kids have all come out of the communist system, and they want nothing to do with it. Okay, they only want to spread good. the love of Jesus to everybody they fascinating video worth looking at you can find it online the reason i showed it to you is that this church this chinese church without the without the influence of western people notice what they're doing in many cases lifting their hands praising god clapping their hands there's a, a certain enthusiasm and a part of their worship and praise which involves not just their words but their their body language reveals that they want to praise God with everything they have. And that's without having gone to a church conference in Calgary. Yada. I've been to baseball games. I've been to watch the Detroit Tigers. I've been to watch the Edmonton Eskimos. Um, I guess not anymore this year. Um, That's, for those of you who are fans, they're out of the playoffs. Um, I've been to see the Rough Riders. I've been to see the Stampeders. I've been to basketball games. I've been to virtually every sport there is. And you know what? There's no written rule. They don't give you how we cheer at our games. They don't give you that. But in almost every sport, every one that I've ever been to, the congregation, the crowd, the fans... They readily throw up their hands when a, a goal is scored by one of their great players. They readily stand to their feet and sing their praises of their great athletes. It's a common thing. It's a common thing to praise God 
with uplifted hands, a yadah. Common thing. Another word we're going to look at is halal. Halal. It means to boast, to rave, to shine, to celebrate, and to be clamorously foolish. To be clamorously foolish. It's the primary word used for worship in the Old Testament. It's the root word of our hallelujah. That's a halal. To boast, to rave, to shine, to celebrate. Uh, It involves laying aside your inhibitions and killing your self-conscious. If you've ever seen videos of a Jewish wedding, you know that they are almost over the top with emotion and full of excitement and full of enthusiasm. It's that kind of worship where they're not really worried what other people think about them. They're here to celebrate and they're here to to sing their, 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 their celebrations. Psalm 69, verse 30, I will praise, halal, God's name in song. In the assembly, Psalm 22, verse 22, I will praise you, I will halal you. Psalm 119, verse 30, with my mouth I will greatly extol the Lord in the great throng of worshipers. I will halal him, I will praise him, I will celebrate, I will boast, I will rave, I will be clamorously foolish for his sake. Psalm 149, verse 3, let them praise or halal his name with dancing and make music to him with timbrel and harp. You see, in Calgary... I was watching people halal, and I didn't get it. It focused my attention on them, but really they were focusing their attention on God, and they really weren't worried about other people. And sometimes we allow our worship to be hindered by um, focusing on the people. You may recall in the New Testament when Jesus entered Jerusalem on a donkey, And the people were praising his name. They were using what we know as a Greek term, Hosanna, which is very similar to our hallelujah. And they were praising God and they were loud about it. You may remember that? And do you remember what the religious leaders did? They told them to be quiet. Shh! Tell your followers, tell your people to be quiet. This isn't appropriate. This isn't proper. And Jesus said, if I tell them to be quiet, the rocks and the stones will cry out. Part of worshiping is letting go of our inhibitions, not for one another, but for God's sake, and to focus our attention and praise to God. C.S. Lewis said, the most valuable thing the Psalms do for me is to express the same delight in God which God, which, which made David dance before the Lord. <clears throat> Let me be very clear. Is my microphone here working here? I will never try and force you into a form of worship um, because then it becomes more about man's form than about truly worshiping God. We ask our leaders, our worship leaders, to not stand up here and tell you, everybody raise your hands, because then it becomes something that you're doing for the worship leader and not doing for God. And it needs to be something that comes from your heart needs to be something that you want to do. When, and I'm, I'm telling you some stories because I'm trying to tell you my experience of worshiping God. 
when Elaine and I were, were students and we went to a church and um, it, it was a young church, uh, probably only had the whole church, 30 or 40 people. And um, they did things that made us feel uncomfortable. And, and then they began to tell us that we had to do those things. You know, come on, do this. This is what, this is what you do. And, and it was like forcing us. And I can just tell you, eventually we left that church because we felt that worship was something that's got to spring from our heart. It's got to be something you want to do. I recognize, and I don't have this in your notes today, but there's at least three things that hinder me in my worship that keep me from worshiping God the way I should. Number one is my view of God. In other words, am I truly in love with God? Or is God, is worship just something we do? It's a church thing we do. Has it become routine? Um, is it, is it, have we missed the point? Is our relationship with God deep? The Bible says that he who has been forgiven much loves much. Sometimes we forget what we've been forgiven. And so therefore we kind of love in kind of a generic way. And I remember years ago singing a song, and I don't know, I should have written this down, but it's an old hymn. Um, but I think it's the third verse that says, My sin... Oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! Oh my This was an old, old hymn sung by many churches. But I remember that particular Sunday, hearing those words, my sin, not in part, but the whole, Not just some of my sins, but the sins that I don't want to talk about. The sins that I don't want to acknowledge. The sins that I pretend I don't have, they're also nailed to the cross. And I bear them no more. And it just came like a flood coming out of me. Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord, O my soul. That's what happens when you have a deep love relationship with God. And you've been forgiven much. Sometimes when I'm not in that frame of mind, I don't worship that way. It's kind of become generic. and I don't think about those things. But when you understand who God is, I'm just telling you for me, things that hinder my worship is sometimes my relationship with God. Um, another thing that hinders my relationship, or my, my worship, I should say, is um, worrying what other people think of me. Um, I don't worship the way I feel sometimes I want to because I'm worried what others are going to think of me. And I think that's a hindrance that many of us face. We're, We're just so afraid that we might say something or do something that people might think we're foolish. But we're not doing it for other people, are we? We're doing it for God. I, I just read yesterday, and it's just odd that some of these things pop up, but yesterday I was reading, and something just popped up on my Facebook about two pastors were asked the question about raising their hands in church. One was John Piper. I don't know if anybody's heard of John Piper, but John Piper says years ago that he was in church, and he was sitting in church, and as he was sitting there, I don't know if you can see this, but as he was sitting in church, they were singing a song 
and the person next to him, the person next to him, put his hands uplifted on his knees like that, on his lap. And John Piper, the preacher, says, I was disgusted by it. Made me sick. Because he thought the person was being overly dramatic and overly... This was years ago. John Piper has since... um, come to a different relationship with God. And he says, I have to confess, I was so wrong that day. I was so wrong. Similar to me moving up to the balcony and trying to get away from those worshiping God. I was wrong that day. I was wrong. John Piper says he was wrong. Another one, another pastor of the same article, a guy by the name of Robert Morris, pastors of a mega church down in Texas someplace talks about how one day he was in church and the leaders suggested that people raise their hands and he had never done it before. He had never done that. And so he lifted his hands and praised to God and he said suddenly it was like chains were broken off him. Suddenly it was like a burden was lifted off his back and for the first time in the world, or the first time in his life I should say, he was able to praise God with an enthusiasm that he had never had before. He had never raised his hands and this time he did it, and it was, he said it was, it was just like an explosion of freedom in his life. Um, sometimes we're worried about what other people think of us, and that's sad. Because, by the way, the sign outside, when it says worship service, we're not worshiping one another. And we're not worshiping the pastor. It's a worship service for God. So really, who cares what other people think? Who really cares? We're here to worship God. Now, let me add to that that I recognize that sometimes when people come to church, all different kinds of people come to church. There are some of you here today that are excited and enthusiastic and, and, and you know, everything's just been going great for you and you're just excited and you want to praise God and then there's somebody who's just lost their son this week. You may not be so excited. Okay? So we recognize, and sometimes we have to be aware of the fact that the people around us may not be where we're at. So we're not to judge one another by how we worship. We're not to point fingers, whether somebody's excited or whether somebody's not very excited. Like, get off it. It's not about you. You don't know what's going on in people's hearts. I don't know what's going on in people's hearts. So be careful when you are driven by what other people think. Because it really doesn't matter what other people think. And the third thing, this is talking to me, the third thing that hinders my worship is when I perceive that somebody's offended me, somebody said something wrong to me, somebody's done something to me, whether it's real or just perceived in my mind, somebody's hurt me, and I'm upset. Let's be honest. Let's just be honest. When you walk in the doors of that church, you don't leave all your hurts behind. Sometimes you sit in the pews and you're mad at somebody sitting on the other side of the church or sitting on this side or standing up at the front. You're upset. You're upset. You don't like that person. You're mad at what they've done. You're mad. You've not come to worship them. You've not come to worship them. You've got to put your offenses aside. 
Even things that you think somebody has said something about you, put it aside. You're not here to talk about them. You're here to talk to God. You're here to worship God. You're here to lay that stuff aside. And so sometimes I get hindered in the way I worship. Sometimes because of how I think about God. Sometimes because of what I think about other people. and Sometimes because I'm afraid of what they think about me. Or they feel I've offended them or they've offended me or some crazy thing. But we're really not here to, to do that. So uh, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking and taking some time at the end of the service just to give us another opportunity to praise God. And, um, we're going to show a, a brief video here that simply says it's my time to worship. And, and as we show that, the worship team's going to come back up and they're going to just lead us in a couple more songs. And I just invite you, it's just some time when you can talk about what we've just talked about, uh, think about it, and just worship God. You're here to worship him. So as the worship team comes on, let's watch this short video and, and just let's spend some time worshiping and praising him.